calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome to another episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey! We finally got that right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, yeah, not too bad. But join us again this week on the YouTube channel, or if you're listening to us on the podcast feed. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we're excited to get into it. I am one of your hosts. I am John Roca, writer, producer, and CEO of the Outlaw Nation. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and I love you all equally, whether you're watching or listening. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and the Goldbergs. And I love all of you listening, but if you've seen me on television, I love you just a little bit more. Wow. wow. Spoken truthfully as an actor. I, re- I appreciate and respect wow. that. Love, uh, that, love, that love comes with strings. <laughs> Strive. 
Thanks. Uh, we're going to get into a number of things uh, today for sure. Uh, for those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking a chance on us on the Geek Buddies. For those of you who are not new, thank you very much for coming back. Uh, and for those of you who are new, the way we do the show is each of us takes a Geek News item and talk about it. The three of us kind of discuss it for a little bit. Then we move on to our next one, take a little bit of a break, and then jump into our main topic. And today's main topic is what we're looking forward to seeing from this week's DC FanDome event happening on August 22nd. And we're going to talk about that in our main uh, topic uh, uh, discussion. But uh, let's get into our geek news items. Who wants to go first? Yeah, well, I'll jump in first. Okay. So, ju- so just today, the trailer dropped for the new Kenneth Branagh-directed Hercule Poirot film, Death on the Nile. Mm-hmm. So he did the the Murder on the Orient Express back in 2017. Got some decent reviews. Made pretty good box office. 55 sure. million budget. I think worldwide did a little more than 300 million. And so I naturally, think three, I think it did 350 actually. Oh, nice. was it that Which much? I guess would be a little bit more than yeah. I think 350. Okay, well, three fifty. So, 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 almost. It's in between three hundred and four hundred million dollars globally. <laughs> but naturally, they want to jump right back in and do the sequel. Now, this is interesting because it was a Fox film. Fox, in the interim, was sold to Disney. So now it, it's coming from Twentieth Century Studios, which is Disney. And this cast, just like Murder on the Orient Express, this cast is stacked. They've got wow. Kenneth Branagh, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Rose Leslie, Annette Benning, Letitia Wright. Um, I watched the trailer this morning. I definitely had my thoughts and okay. thoughts that connected to murder on the Orient Express. But gentlemen, your thoughts. Um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. No, my first thought is I just love that nobody like I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to talk about 20th century pictures as anything other than like secretly Disney. Like you always say, well, it's 20th century pictures. But it's really Disney. I feel like they should actually just add like, like shadowy mouse ears behind the twentieth, <laughs> because like that's like I, I have yet to hear anybody be like, and twentieth century pictures is releasing. It's like, well, really, Disney's doing it. So, do you think it should be the fox, uh, the 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 spotlights, and then they go up and make ears on the logo, or like a Mickey bat signal, <laughs> like you know, just in the. <laughs> um Wait, anyways I like it. <laughs> hi everybody it's really me um you better make money you better make money <laughs> um I, I i'm wondering if my thoughts are going to echo yours because my reaction to this trailer was uh was two things and they both sort of tied to murder on the orient express which was i think that Murder on the Orient Express was perfectly enjoyable, but not amazing. Like I thought that it was, I, I actually, what I loved about Murder of the Orient, on the Orient Express and what this trailer gave me was, it's not that often uh, in this day and age where it's when you're not in some giant branded superhero magical based on a series universe that you have just this level of star power. And so just like with Murder on the Orient Express, you watch this trailer and you see a bunch of movie stars movie starring. I mean, they are just, everybody looks beautiful. The sets are beautiful. It's gorgeously shot. It just has this sort of classic Hollywood feel to it. And you know you're going to get to go see a bunch of people just like chewing the scenery and having a great time. And I think with Murder on the Orient Express, I definitely got that. I think the movie could have been better, but it was certainly an enjoyable afternoon at the movies to see all these people on the screen. And watching this trailer, uh, I didn't have any ill will. Like, oh, I hope it's not good. You know, I just was like, it was more stars. It still looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I think like as sort of its own franchise, like a series of sort of murder mystery, murder, locked door murder mysteries, like I would go see these every time. 
like at, at, at the level that Murder of the Orient Express was, like, I hope this is better. I hope there's more to it, or I hope it's, you know, a little bit more exciting. But honestly, even if it's not, I mean, maybe it's just I'm just so starved for movies. Like watching this trailer made me happy. I was like, yes, people on a screen. That was my reaction. People on a screen. That was it. Okay. Um, Johnny? So I would say that I absolutely love the trailer because it evokes the old school Agatha Christie films and Agatha Christie approaches these kind of things. You're going to, you know, your stunt cast to get these stars to be on it. That's part of the ensemble thing. That's what made it so big in the seventies when you had Albert Finney do uh, uh, murder on the Orient Express. Then you had Peter Ustinov do death on the Nile. That's that vibe. And then when you've seen the subsequent British productions that have been on TV, you know, you, ha you had David Suchet do these movies that were out of the realm of the series of Kirk Poro. And so he would do them and they were star studded in the cast. So all of this, feels completely like uh the the foundation that's been laid many times before this is such an interesting a bunch of characters to bring interesting bunch of actors to bring into this i think there's more actors of note i think in this particular uh, ensemble of, of actors so that lets you know that they are attracting uh, certain people like gal gadot army hammer certainly annette benning you've got a bunch of i mean leticia right out of black panthers fantastic to see rose leslie out of game of thrones so you're seeing uh, this uh, combo of actors and i think it really works i also like the fact that it feels a little more mature a little more of a cinematic approach to it than than uh uh, uh mortar on the Orient express had also they clipped his mustache it makes it feel it makes it feel a little more again a little more mature like he's grown up he doesn't have to make such a big deal about his mustache it's a little more uh, angular and i like that vibe shorter i dig it which means he's trying to get to that answer a little more quicker so all of it and that shot uh from behind the boat where he's walking on the plank onto the boat i was awesome so overall it gave me a really good vibe and got me excited to see and if brana kind of finds himself in this position where he's doing this character for a few years kind of like mission impossible with tom cruise or or jason Bourne with matt damon i'm absolutely down for it because he certainly um radiates an act he certainly radiates that kind of energy to take a role like this on and do well with it yeah anybody yeah, else did anybody else think of Speed 2? Or is that just me? No. It's oh, like shit. a sequel. This time, it's another murder, but this time, it's on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Only if they recast Brana, because he wouldn't come back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm 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 on the level with you guys. I mean, the first murder on the Orient Express. First, I remember that first trailer that Murder mm. on the Orient Express had, and I loved it because it was ominous, it was stylized, yeah. it was beautifully shot, and then it kind of shot itself in the foot when they showed that mustache. I was like, oh, right. that's that's a lot. Um, the movie itself, it's interesting because a lot of times tropes that get used in modern films, they originate someplace. So mm -hmm. watching Murder on the Orient Express and watching the turns that the story took, when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, that's what it was? I've seen this so many times. Well, yeah, because they were all aping Murder on the yeah. Orient Express. And it's it's, right. it's kind of like like watching John Carter and being like, God, this is a lot like Star Wars. And like, oh no, Star Wars actually took from John Carter. Now, right. Death on the Nile, yeah, I think I think Death on the Nile is probably gonna be the equivalent of like a really good looking meal on Instagram. Like mm. it looks awesome, but if you actually get the taste, it's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I think I think the picture probably sells something more but by the time you had the the food ends up in front of you you're it, it looks good it smells good you taste it it's okay you're you know what well i'm here I'm, I'm happy to get it but i agree mike i mean just seeing movie stars movie starring yeah. that's what would make me excited for this movie and even if it is marginally better than murder on the orient express i'm like 
money well spent. Yeah, you don't. And I'm sure be... it'll. I'm sure it'll do great. Yeah, and you don't got to be like, I don't want some, I don't know, deep, complex, psychological. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's fun for what it is. They still did use that slow Depeche Mode version of the song, which I was a little like, where are you setting this, and why are you using that song <laughs> in the trailer? But overall, though, yeah, uh, it looks it looks fun. It looks fun for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be coming out hopefully <laughs> towards the end of this year. Yep, October twenty third. Why is that date important? I wonder. Hmm. Anyway, all right. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, it's yeah. a big day. Oh, yeah. It's a big day. Oh, yeah. October 23rd. Are you kidding me? I Music actually. karaoke. I actually, I put a block out on it because I know that I can't do anything else on that day because it's such right. an important day. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a big what, one. It's a big, it's a big one this year. What, what Mike said. What Mike we're said. A, we're doing a 40 person roast on Zoom. It's going to be great. No. It's <laughs> Anyway, all right. Let's move on to our second. Who wants to go next? What do you call? What do you call a quinceanera at, at that age? This is what you call it. This. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is I am. I got my dress picked out. I am ready. It's not. You know what? No. Even if it's on Zoom, I'm showing up. Got the dress. I'm good. I'm set. I'm ready. I'm doing it. <laughs> Technical difficulties right now. As we can. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, let's move on to our second uh, topic. Uh, Mike, you want to take this one for the storyteller? Yeah, sure. Yeah, please. Uh, so, uh, really interesting story, uh, literally. Um, so, for anyone who grew up as a Jim Henson fan, uh, you know, we've covered like the Dark Crystal reboot. We covered the fact that the Henson Company is planning a new Labyrinth movie, uh, sequel or reboot, will remains to be seen. Um, and, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, this was the weird uh, counterpoint to the Disney movies and the 80s cartoons and everything else that you loved. There was Dark Crystal and there was Labyrinth. And if you were watching TV, uh, there was The Storyteller, which was a super bizarre show uh, where basically the Jim Henson Company uh, had this series. John Hurt played this character named a storyteller. And each week he and his little puppet dog would have a little chat by the fireplace and they would tell weird legends, fables, fairy tales, and not the ones that you know, the really weird and dark ones. Uh, it, it freaked a lot of kids out. Uh, a lot of kids grew up loving it. Um, and a lot, out of a lot of the Jim Henson stuff, a lot of the 80s stuff in general, if you go back and watch them, they're still creepy as fuck, but they actually kind of hold up. Uh, and as the Jim Henson company has been sort of revamping everything to, you know, like we said with Dark Crystal, pretty solid success, they have a reboot of the storyteller coming along, but it's not exactly a typical thing. Um, this version, instead of John Hurt as the titular character, now has Neil Gaiman uh, playing the role of the storyteller, which as anybody who's a fan of Neil Gaiman um, or as anybody who's listened to the Audible Sandman that we talked about, uh, Neil Gaiman, great narrator. Um, but this is actually going to be an augmented reality uh, piece of entertainment. And so okay. the exact uh, press announcement says, Storyteller The Seven Ravens is an extension of Jim Henson Company's popular franchise that re-envisions folk stories, legends, and fables from around the world. In The Seven Ravens, a young girl sets out on an adventure to save her seven brothers from a curse that turned them into ravens. The augmented reality book experience will allow people to interact with, explore, and re-explore the detailed and robust world of the storyteller through the lens of The Seven Ravens' Tale, hmm. uh, which sounds really cool. Uh, Jim Henson Company is producing it along with uh, Felix and Paul Studios. Not quite sure 
what that even means or where we're going to be able to see it yet. Uh, but, you know, there's been in the world of augmented reality, I mean, there's things like the void uh, uh, that is sort of the virtual reality experience. I don't know if this is that. I don't know if this yeah. is a computer thing. I don't know if this is for Oculus, but it's the idea of interactive storytelling, which yeah. is sort of the uh, the holy grail of where all of this technology is going. Uh, you know, as soon as VR sort of became more affordable, everyone has been sort of exploring and trying to figure out how to tell a story that becomes popular on the level of the stories that we see in television and features in more traditional settings, mm -hmm. but in this augmented reality setting where you get to sort of explore the story in your own way, much more like a video game. So yeah. interesting take on Storyteller. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, what did you guys think, A, of the classic Storyteller? Did you watch it when you were a kid? And what do you think about this? Jim? I mean, what I remember, all I remember is John Hurt and that dog. Mm. Like, I don't remember any of the individual stories. I literally just remember the Muppet, the Muppet dog. As far as to what, what this actual experience will be, I don't know, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, it, it sounds like it's, it won't be like the void. It won't be a brick and mortar thing. Like it'll be something you'll be able to do in your home. That's what, that's what I'm assuming. Um, when I've done VR, I, I just, I just don't like having that screen right up by my face when you know people do uh, vr on their phone and they get the little cardboard goggles i oh, yeah. i don't love that i just don't like having that stuff that close to my face even when we have done vr at our friend's house like um our friend steve morris fellow mm -hmm. uh, cinephile with uh, with johnny um yeah. he has a he had a rocky vr and it's a blast because you know you're you know you're boxing clubber lang and ivan drago um but when you take it off, I mean, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's just my eyes are getting old and I can't handle it anymore. But by the time I take it off, I'm like, oh yeah, never, never, never doing that again. Yeah. Um, even though a few years ago at Comic-Con, there was a great VR where you sat down, you were in, I think it was called Asylum. Do you remember this, Mike? Oh yeah. You sat oh, yeah. down, you, you sat down in a, in a, in a wheelchair and you put <clears throat> these goggles on and you're in sort of like this kind of haunted asylum and the, folks that were actually manning the booth are physically kind of messing with you as you're seeing this stuff in the goggles. So it's, it was fun, but again, I think there's just a lot of question marks over to what this thing is actually going to be. Yeah. It's been progressing over the last few years. We've seen video games, more video games coming out that do the VR experience or the AR experience. I remember uh, we were at uh, Scott Shaw's thing for his, uh, his uh, liquor and two of the guys I spoke to were developing something themselves and pitching something about AR and VR. And they think it's the next wave of things to be involved in for the younger generation, the younger generation, which has, you know, which loves the new equipment, loves the new, all that kind of stuff. This is, I think for them to kind of, kind of explore it uh, as we might explore it. If we were at that age and kids like, Oh, this is cool. Let me put this on. Let me disappear into this world. So I get what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, 30 minutes in the, in the VR is, is more than enough. 10 minutes is more than enough sometimes depending on the VR, but you can't deny the technology has really kind of exploded and advanced its ability to make you actually Turn off the world. I mean, we try. I tried the Oculus one time. Uh, some of you guys might remember, and some of you watching might remember. Uh, and uh, I was so uh, lost in that world that it really felt like I was walking out on a plank to pick up a piece of cake, and all my fears of height were oh. really there. Uh, I've done. Yeah, I've done the cake. I've done the cake. Yeah, the one. cake one. Right. It is legitimate. It legitimately <laughs> feels 
real. So if someone can uh, add this to uh, their experience, I think it's a positive. I mean, I know they have it for sports events where you can put on the, and it feels like you are sitting courtside at a game, watching the game from courtside. So in that way, I think there are advances going uh, for people to enjoy it. And this is another way for them to do that. And, you know, studios are always looking, Mike, you know this, and Shan, I'm sure you do too. Studios are always looking for new ways to bring fans in and, and expand the experience. Yeah. I, uh, and you know, the augmented reality, we're talking about virtual reality. It may not be, it may just be a online thing where you can just explore the world. I don't oh, know, sure. you know, but I think regardless to your point, uh, you know, when I was at Hasbro, uh, the Oculus people came and did a whole presentation for us where, you know, cause they were talking to us about like taking our properties and bringing them oh, into yeah. the world and whatever. And they actually, it's very fascinating the way they talk about it because the big issue is when you experience a story, whether it be sitting and watching TV or a movie, or even playing a video game, which is yeah. a little bit more, you get to make the choice. But even in video games, you're sort of directed. Like it looks like an open world where you can explore anything, but you kind of have to go in this direction or yeah. you have to do this or, you know, or in like Zelda Breath of the Wild on Switch, you can kind of go wherever, but eventually you have to, you figure out the things you have to do to move forward. Right. And virtual reality, it's a lot harder, or augmented reality to sort of direct that. So there's ways that the story, and I think that's the thing that's held it up. Uh, you know, figuring out how to get people to follow a story in the way that you want them to when they can yeah. literally walk anywhere. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that the storyteller is an interesting property to sort of attack that with because the nature of telling a story of discovering things but maybe discovering things in different orders like the 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 neil gaiman is so famous for just sort of telling stories about story i mean most right. of the stories in sandman are about someone telling a story or dreams being the stories and like that's just a big thing for him and so the neil gaiman storyteller sort of combo as a here's a new way of experiencing story really interesting to shannon's point a lot of question marks no idea what it is but could be really, really fun and fascinating. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I don't disagree. And uh, having uh, the people involved in this, Neil, Ga Neil Gaiman, I mean, it's kind of uh, Neil Gaiman's time, isn't it? With the uh, Sandman uh, series coming HBO, with the uh, Sandman series out now on Audible, and then this as well. It's like all of a sudden people are, it's a game. And good Omens. Good and Omens, good omens right. Yeah. right, right. A Gaiman sans. You would say a Gaiman sans for lack of a better Yeah, term. you could have. It's a word. It's a word that you could use. I mean, it could. I don't know if you want to use it, but it could. <laughs> and I also think I'm picking you know, up your subtext. I'm picking up your subtext. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, props to uh, props to the Henson Company. Just that you know, the Henson Company is such an odd little company with the oddest properties, uh, particularly once that you know the Muppets went to Disney. But you know, you got to give them credit in that in this world where I'm. I well, I know because I've been over there where everyone is always encouraging them to sort of go the more traditional path or do things like tell stories more towards kids or aim things younger. When right. you look at Dark Crystal, uh, they definitely did not do that. You know, who who knew Game of Thrones as with puppets on Netflix would do well. Right. Uh, and then uh, this is just a very different way of sort of attacking storytellers. So, you know, props to them for doing things differently. Yeah. I, I think that's really, I, I think highly of that. Yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll get more updates on that and and, and where it's going to go. And uh, maybe there'll be samples for people to try it any whenever we have a Comic-Con again or uh, some kind of a convention again for people to sit in and maybe give it one, a chance, give it a whirl. One day. One, yeah, day. one day. One day. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of doing things differently before we get too depressed, well, maybe we will get depressed. I don't know. Planes, <laughs> Trains, and Automobiles is getting a remake with Paramount Pictures. It'll star Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Uh, that's the news coming over here from Deadline. They have the exclusive on this. Hart's Heartbeat Productions and Will Smith's Westbrook 
Westbrook Studios will produce this thing. Aisha Carr will write the script. She's written for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the upcoming Hulu series, Woke. Uh, Harden Smith, co-produced with Westbrook Studios co-president and head of motion pictures, John Moan, and Heartbeat's president of film and television, Brian Smiley. The film seems like an ideal ideal one for uh, for a new version from Paramount. Uh, so I, I don't know. This is an interesting situation because... Personally, my, and I'll give my feelings right off the bat. I love this movie. It's maybe my favorite John Hughes movies for movie for a number of reasons. Um, and it just grows better as you get older as a human being. You find and savor more of this movie than you would when you were in your 20s. There's just so much about it that hits you harder as you get older and the experiences these two men go on. But who doesn't know somebody like this uh, one way or the other or ever been an experience with someone like this one way or the other? And maybe some of the geek buddies have been an experience like this with each other. Like I this, mean, so, you know, oh, this when I watch every year, every year that I watch park uh, planes, trains, and automobiles around Thanksgiving, I I always think of trips that I've taken with a special someone. <laughs> Boy, my dog's tired. Oh, oh. <laughs> but you know, you get that, and and I. And, but this is interesting because neither Hart nor Smith, to me, necessarily radiate the kind of um, vulnerable empathy that you felt for John Candy or, but I'm sure both of them can play the, you know, kind of stiffy stiff guy who that is the Steve Martin character, but it's the John Candy character that really makes this thing work. And I don't know if either one of them in my mind have necessarily conveyed that in any of their work. So I, I, I hesitate about this. Then again, I think these are two great actors and very funny actors. So I wonder what this would turn out to look like. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I, I like planes, trains, and automobiles. I don't, I don't have the love for it as, like everyone else does, and that's not. It's. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just, I didn't see it right when it came out, so I don't have that nostalgic love for it. So sure. I'm not. I don't have the reverence to be like, don't touch it, don't touch it. Um, personally, I miss Will Smith being funny. Like Will Smith is a is a funny guy on screen. Okay. I, I I like Will Smith, the action star, but after watching Gemini Man, I'm like. Ah, take a ah, take a break. Take a break. Like so not a few plays, champ. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get back to what made you so charming to audience right off the bat. And it was and it was those comic. It was that natural uh, comic timing that he has. And Kevin Hart, no matter what you think of him personally, you can't argue that the guy's not funny. I mean, yeah. and and more than likely they're not going to be playing Neil and Dell. They're going to be playing two new guys. So who knows? Who knows which actor is going to fill which role I, I could certainly see that empathy you were talking about, John, I could see Will Smith having that. I, okay. I do think Will Smith is a good enough dramatic actor um, and vulnerable enough that I think he could pull that off. Kevin Hart. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, again, I don't think this is, this is ground that we can't tread on. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like planes, trains and automobiles, but you know what I was thinking of and, and not that, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is as true of some of John Hughes's other work. But, you know, as we've been talking about the way that we in 2020 culturally look at our entertainment, yeah. uh, John Hughes is definitely one of those beloved filmmakers who did a lot of things right and really like did some really, really cool things in the teen comedy genre that was also problematic. Yeah. There's a lot of problematic things about John Hughes. And that. so I think, I think, and like I said, planes, train, and automobiles, much less so than like 16 Candles or Breakfast Club or some other things. But I think that his stories managed to find a heart and humor in real situations. Yeah. And I think other 
people taking those stories and reframing them uh, from a different perspective. I think that's kind of interesting to me. I get it, I get a little excited about it. I get intrigued. Uh, yeah, you know, mo- it's so funny. As I, when this was announced, most things that I was looking at as I was scrolling through Twitter and stuff, it seemed like a lot of people just naturally assumed that Will Smith would be the Steve Martin role and Kevin Hart would be the John Candy role because Kevin Hart is the more outgoing, outlandish funny. And I'm kind of with you, Shannon. It's like, I'm not sure. Uh, and granted, they're going to be new characters, but in general, one of them is going to be the straight man and one mm-hmm. of them is going to be the, oh my God, this guy's ridiculous. And I think Kevin Hart playing the super annoyed, buttoned up, I'm trying to yeah. get where I'm trying to get and letting Will Smith, to your point, I was feeling the exact same way. Letting Will Smith just like relax and be charmingly over the top, funny, ridiculous, annoying, like whatever role he they give him, whatever they do to make him that... I think that's probably the smarter way to go. I mean, yep. it could go either way, but I think that if they went down that road, I think that there's probably something really, really interesting there. Um, yep. And yeah, and I'm interested to see what the new perspective they take on it, what the new spin is that makes it feel, uh, you know, uh, not just a rehash of the 80s. I think the fact that this is being told uh, clearly from like a more black perspective is going to give us a new take on it as opposed to if it was like, you know, uh Will Ferrell and uh, Ryan Reynolds in playing Trader Mall. You know what I mean? Like this, this is more interesting to me. As opposed to being due date is what you meant to say. Yeah, pl- yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, and also the challenge is this is a more technologically advanced society, right? So this issues that they went through in playing strings and automobiles is not going to be here in this, right? The the payphone issues, the rental. I mean, you'll have a rental car, I guess you could, but you could also Uber. So all those things are you know removed from the equation that were the, the classic. Issues. You mean the classic, if Home Alone was made today, the movie would be 10 minutes long? Yeah, right. If that. If that. Uh, you know, uh, so all those things are there. And so I wonder how they're going to avoid, like, because if they cop out and just go, oh, he lost his cell phone or he lost this, or then it's like, oh, it's, you know, you're just making it work to make it work as opposed to making it organically interesting and new. Uh, so, yeah, I've, uh, I, I, think it, I think they missed a golden opportunity not casting The Rock in this. I know Kevin Hart and The Rock do a lot of things together, but Central Intelligence is so good. Their work on Jumanji, they're chemistry is so funny having kevin hart be the stuffy guy the steve martin role and having the rock play the john candy role that would be hilarious having him like be like you know oh my dogs these big feet these big meaty hands all that stuff with rock could work so well because the reason candy and it is played for comedy because he's a heavy guy in the movie playing it in, as a heavy guy who's massive because he works out a lot there's a, a angle of comedy that works that you, you could still play the larger jokes in a different way you know all, so, all due respect to the rock how dare you and i love the rock <laughs> how, I, I, I just sure? i just did i just did both jumanji movies last week again yeah. i think he's great and like the rock is there's a reason he was i think last year's there or this year's highest paid celebrity in history, whatever. Like he, he's very good. He's great. Uh, the rock, the rock is always doing comedy on a curve. He is very, very funny for the rock. I'm going to put my money on Will Smith's comedy chops over the rock. I, I, I like, I love the rock. I think he's great, but like you're grading on a curve a little bit. How dare you? How dare you? The rocks, the rocks impression of Danny DeVito and Jumanji versus Aquafina's impression of Danny DeVito and Jumanji 
there's really no competition. That's fair. Well, one's a stand-up and one isn't. I mean, there's just a difference, you know. I'm not, yeah, the difference is one is funnier. That's exactly Oh! I'm not happy you say such a thing on this show, but I respect your opinion. I respect your opinion. But it could, but I mean, this is not high comedy you're doing, so it would still work with him, like being so aggressively annoying and just and challenging The Rock to have that scene in the hotel room. If there is a similar scene in the movie where he says, you know, my my my, my wife likes me. My customers like me, you know, that moment that break, breaks you in the movie to have the ch- rock challenged to play that. I mean, listen, listen, oh, John Candy being this big, heavy, schlubby, annoying guy going, my wife likes me. My, like the rock being like the most muscular guy ever in the world being like, hey, people like me. You're like, no hey. shit, people like you. You're a hey. fucking superhero. Hey. <laughs> we don't know what's going on inside, Mike. We don't know what's going on inside. It's a finely honed machine. That's what's going on inside. It's a money-making machine. Uh, so we'll see. But either way, we'll see what happens. And But, you know, I think all three of us are excited to see what they can do yeah. with it. But, but with a little bit of trepidation, I think, on my end, a little more than these two gentlemen here. So we shall see. We shall see. Uh, all right. Well, let's take uh, – they haven't – you know, they haven't said that there's a script uh, or too deep of a script. They haven't released when they, uh, when they might be releasing this thing. It's just – in the early talks right now to figure out what it's going to be. So we'll keep tabs on it as it goes along. All right, you, so might, you might say the script is in transit. Okay. No, you could say that, but you won't. <laughs> I think you're getting worse. No. On these. I think you're getting worse. I think you're getting worse with these. Guys. Oh, I'm happy with it. They're going into granddad jokes territory. There. <laughs> Give me my sweater. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors on the podcast uh, feed, but for you guys watching us on YouTube, about five seconds, and we'll be right back. Oh, all right. Well, a great break was taken there. Thank you all so much for uh, That mostly just helps me kind of break things out when I put it up on the feed, so on the podcast feed. So, but anyway, let's get into our main topic today, uh, and it is the DC Fandom event that is happening uh, this uh, weekend. I'm excited for it. There's been already a bunch of promos. Zack Snyder is going into overdrive on his, for sure. It's a 24-hour immersive virtual fan experience, and this is how they're pitching it, which brings the universe of DC to life and features the stars, filmmakers, and creators behind its biggest films, TV series, games, and comics. Uh, it's coming. It's uh, fans from all seven continents are going to be involved in this as well. They'll be casting the creators uh, behind the the feature films and TV series like Aquaman, Batman, Batwoman, Black Adam, Black Lightning, DC Superhero Girls, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl, Doom Patrol, The Flash, Harley Quinn, Snyder Cut of Justice League, a big one, Lucifer, Pennyworth, Shazam, and Shazam 2, The Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Superman, and Lois, Teen Titans Go, Titans, Watchmen, Young Justice, Outsiders, and of course, Wonder Woman 1984 happening. This is happening. The event is August 22nd. Of, uh, so this weekend, um, but this is there's so much to look at here. There's so many interesting uh, panels that are being put out. Mike, you were involved with Comic Con, so a pre-recorded panel. Uh, is that something that you think is going to be uh, prevalent throughout this event, so they can control the narrative and not have any questions asked from fans or anybody that are a bit untoward? Might talk about the layoffs. Might talk about the Ezra Miller situation. Might uh, bring up controversy with the Zack Snyder thing. Do you think they're going to control this very, very strongly throughout? I think they will. I, I, from what I understand, uh, the events are a mixture of pre-recorded and live. I think okay. uh, 
that that's and I, I I could be wrong on that, but I mean I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that there's a blend. So some of the big big events uh, are live events, and some of them are not. But I mean when you look at the timing on all of them, the timing on these uh, events ranges anywhere from like ten minutes to about a half hour. I think they yeah. recognize the fact that you know there's not you're a lot of people aren't going to sit in front of their computer for an hour long panel, but a thirty minute panel on the Batman I think people will be into. But also given that timing and given the structure, I don't think. There's an, I mean, if there was going to be a Q&A aspect, there would already have been information on how to log in and how to like wait in line and queue up to ask questions. So since there's not, I don't think there's going to be any Q&A here. So I think, uh, I, I think there's a lot of good and we can talk about the good in a minute. I do think one of the critiques of this at the end of the day and the critiques of any of these online events is that there's not that fan interaction that people get when they actually go to a convention live. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I, the way the whole site is set up, the way they're sort of promoting it as these big events, like this is feeling like more of what Comic-Con could have and should have done. It does yeah. seem like they're, and I, maybe it will be a fail, maybe it won't, but it definitely feels like they're doing things in the right way. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Shannon? Yeah, I'm, they, this, this is something that they've been working on for, for a while. I mean, they did have a little bit more notice than Comic-Con, not by much, but they, but they did have more notice. And the fact that they, everything will be on the internet and it's right. only going to be for 24 hours. Like I looked at the schedule and they have a uh, uh, encore of, of several of the panels. Um, yeah. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, one, because, you know, we've never gone to a, a DC, we've never gone to a DC event convention type thing. Comic-Con, looking at the schedule online, there wasn't anything that really got me that jazzed. And plus I was bummed, you know, I mean, I was, I was, I was sad that I wasn't able to be in San Diego with my friends and enjoying this sort of annual event that we've done for over 10 years. Uh, I don't have any pre-existing relationship with DC Fandom. So seeing what is going to be what's going to be presented there, aside from the fact there are, are several things that I'm like, God, I really want to find out about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is something that was designed for the Internet. And uh, yeah, there are a couple of panels that I'm very excited to see what's what they have in store. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting combo. You know, they're going to lead off with Wonder Woman 1984, which usually you would end your day with, right? Usually be the big one or the middle of the day. To have it be your, your kickoff on a Saturday morning, I was surprised by that a little bit. Uh, and then you have the Zack Snyder at 2.30 doing his thing. But in the meantime, there are other competing panels at the same time. So that's going to be fascinating to see how they make it i mean it seems like yeah because you've got introducing flash 1140 beyond batman 1150 then suicide squad 1155 so those three kind of uh fighting for your attention uh in that way there's a after the uh, wonder woman there's a, a well at the same time the official dc fandom store so maybe that's more like that's open for 24 hours for you to buy stuff uh but then 25 minutes later you have the uh warner brothers games montreal announcement at 10 25 but also, listen, it's CNN Heroes, Real Life Heroes in the Age of Coronavirus at 2.30 p.m. That seems like a weird outlier amongst this, uh, you know, a run of superhero uh, stuff or comic book stuff that they're really focusing on. That seems a bit strange, too. I don't think so. I mean, when you no. look at when you know, because when you think I mean, look, if you Comic-Con itself has a massive amount of panels true, obviously true. but but comic-con has similar panels like that that kind of are outliers but tangentially related and i think look i think dc did a good job as far as like 
I think doing it for 24 hours is smart because yep. I think they recognize the fact that they probably don't have enough content to keep, to keep people engaged yeah. for like three days. So, uh, you know, in and out, you got 24 hours to your point about things being on top of each other. I think that's why you have at least two encores of all of your major panels. So yeah. whatever the panel is, they will rerun it later and they'll, and you'll be able. So if you're really wanting to watch these two things, but you know, or you, but you gotta see your wonder woman first, you'll be able to go look at those later. So I think right. that's smart. And as far as like the CNN heroes in the era of coronavirus, I think similarly to Comic-Con, I think once they've got you in there and yeah. once people do probably exactly what we are going to do and what most people are going to do is like, I'm going to watch the Wonder Woman. I'm going to yeah. watch the Batman. I'm going to see what the Black Adam announcement is. I'm going to, you know, like there's a couple of things that are like, this is the, the Zack Snyder. This is the big news that right. everyone is obsessed with. But I think what they're doing with having that variety of stuff and having things like the CNN heroes and some of these other things is going, hey, we actually want you to spend the day here. Yeah. Like we we know that you're coming in for these three or four things, but we want to show everybody that you entered the Hall of Heroes and while you were here, you sort of like farted around. You went to the store for 20 minutes and scrolled through to see what you could buy while you were waiting for the next thing that you were excited about. And then you got done and you had some time to kill and you're sitting on your couch and you decide to watch the CNN heroes thing, uh, knowing that it's going to get done about in time for you to see what Zack Snyder is going to say about his cut of Justice League. So I think having that variety is good. And they clearly wanted to fill the schedule out. Um, So yeah, just going through, I think the fact that there's a bunch of competing panels at the same time. The fact that they have sort of these different rooms that you can explore and that there's different panels happening in the different rooms at the same time, it allows you to feel like, oh, look, I'm out of the three of us, I'm probably the one who was the least excited about this thing. But uh, as I looked at the panel, I was like, oh, I am going to kind of have my computer open on Saturday and I'll probably be doing other stuff or kind of watching something peripherally on TV and whatever. And order my lunch from Postmates, but I probably will do exactly what they want, which is kind of have the fandom open on my computer and go, oh crap, all right, well, what's going on with the Batman? I wanna see this. So I think it's everything they're doing, at least in theory, we will see an execution, seems to be pretty smart. Yeah, Uh, I I think so too. And and I think you made it, what you just said was something I was gonna say too, Mike, you can just have it on on your computer. Like I walk around with my headphones on all the time here in the house when I'm working on stuff and I'm not doing a show. I have my music or whatever I'm supposed to be listening to and I'm just walking around doing chores or doing whatever and preparing for the next thing. Having this on on a Saturday all day while I'm like playing video games or I'm watching the NBA playoffs or whatever that I don't need other sound for – it's a way of like just sitting with DC all day. It's almost like Hall H is coming to me instead of us sitting out for three days waiting to get into Hall H. Hall H is coming to us and we can decide what panels we want to watch or, or, or review. And it depends on how, of course, it all depends on how many are allowed because I, I imagine they'll have restrictions about how many people can be in and we'll see how the how the technology works here too, right? I mean, there could be internet issues. It could be people getting kicked out who are in and can't get back in. There's all kinds of stuff. So there's a real um, high wire aspect to this that could really uh, cause some issues or have some bad PR coming out for DC, which at this stage, they really can't afford right now on the heels of the layoffs and the uh, people kind of the, of the chorus for the Ezra Miller situation getting louder and louder online, like all of that. Uh, they really can't afford these things to kind of fall apart or have some bad PR coming out of this. So hopefully this all goes well for them and the fans get the information and get some memorable moments that they can uh, take with them to get them excited about these uh, 
uh, projects that are coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really <laughs> curious. <laughs> good, 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 good ad. Good ad, Shannon. I thought we were going to talk about the panels we wanted yeah, to see. Yeah, we, we I, have I, time. Segue I, into that, bud. I, I, I was waiting for John to give us that runway. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. And, you know, Shannon, what are some of the panels you're looking forward to the most? Okay. So there are three that I, that I have, that I have very definite <laughs> feelings about. Which I'm going to go through all of them now Thanks. in great detail oh. so as to not allow another lull in the conversation to happen. What great detail do you possibly have on this? But yes, go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm very curious about the Black Adam panel. I- yeah, I'm yeah. very curious about Black Adam as a movie as a whole. Because, again, grading the rock on a curve, Black Adam, he's a complicated character. Stop grading the rock on a curve. Anyway, <laughs> and despite his excellent work in snitch um i i i I don't know if he has the dramatic chops to pull this off i hope i hope he does i hope i'm wrong but then we heard a while ago that the justice society was going to have a pretty significant presence in the movie is it going to be an origin story is it going back to ancient egypt these are all things that i'm really really curious to find out um and I'll, i'll cut it down by one and the second panel is the Rocksteady panel, uh, the Suicide Squad video game, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. When they released that first promo shot of Superman with a bullseye or a crosshairs, which I'm assuming is probably a a nod to Deadshot. Listen, as a video gamer, you love playing bad guys. Like you love going up against heroes because heroes always win. And the Suicide Squad is always, you know, the 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 deck the deck is always stacked against them. Yeah. So the idea that you're going to be able to play as Deadshot, the I you'll be able to play maybe a, as Harley Quinn, as Killer Croc, as Captain. Bo- Why you would want to play as Captain Boomerang, I have no idea. Um, but that you're going up against you know these these modern day gods and Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Batman, the Flash. Um, I, I think that has the potential to be such a great video game and video game writing now. I mean, some of them are just enormous movies and some of the best protagonists. I mean, I think of Nate Drake from uncharted. Some of the best protagonists are the wise asses Mm -hmm. and suicide squad is going to be an entire team of wise asses Mm -hmm. commenting on, on, on the hero they're trying to take down. So those are the two that I that I am probably the most interested in. All right, Mike, do you have two years or two or three years? Yeah, or I, uh, one? No, I have. I have. I'll give. I'll give you three. I uh, there's a Neil Gaiman panel on yes. Sandman, which yeah. I will definitely check out. Uh, which you know, Sandman just really seems to be like in the ether right now, uh, and I'm just really curious to what they have to say about its enduring popularity, what hints we'll get about the Netflix series. Um, And then uh, Young Justice is doing a panel, uh, Greg Weissman and a lot of the voice cast. uh, They're doing sort of a reading of a radio play that was written specifically for DC fandom that I think maybe is just like some of the characters bridging the gap between where we left them in season three and kind of some hints about where we're going to go in season four. Uh, And so as someone who got to be a part of the Young Justice team in season three, uh, definitely excited to see that one. Uh, And then, yeah, out of all the movie panels, uh, you know, curious about Black Adam, definitely want to see the Wonder Woman panel, but mostly really curious about the Batman. Definitely, yeah. that's probably out of all of the movie ones. Uh, 
Sure, I'm curious as to what Zack Snyder is going to say about his cut so that we can all argue about it uh, when we talk about it next week on here. But uh, the Batman is the one that I'm most excited about to see what they reveal, what they show, and just what uh, what other little pieces of information we can glean about where this movie is going to be heading. Yeah, I'm with you about the Wonder Woman thing. I mean, I think we've seen what we need to see. Just get the movie out already. So yeah. I'm, not too, I'm not too keen on seeing that one. And maybe that's why they're leading with it, because they know people have, they'll be excited to start the show. It start it it's a good way to put your best foot forward. She is the one that everyone loves. So let's, universally, so let's see what we got here and put it out there and people can enjoy it and boom, go on to the next thing. Uh, but for me, it's a tie. It is Zack Snyder's Justice League. And like you just said, the Batman, both those are a tie in terms of excitement for me. Uh, I, I want to see what we're getting, what new images might come out, what surprising announcements they might make. Certainly, Zack Snyder is going to have some new footage or a new trailer. Maybe have a trailer uh, and some pictures. I hope they have a trailer. And then with the bat, I mean, they were shooting for quite some time before they had to stop the production. So I wonder if, like like John Favreau, when he showed up with Cowboys and Aliens, he'd only been shooting a couple of weeks, and they cobbled together a two-minute trailer. So can they cobble together some kind of trailer for the Batman that'll get you excited for it? Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, the 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 game looks interesting as uh, to me, and the Sandman looks fun as well. Uh, I think the Harley Quinn panel will be interesting uh, for me to take a look at and see what they're going to go with that. I would say the Suicide Squad, but I'm, I don't know. I just kind of I'm excited, but I'm not excited. So I, I you know I'm going to see more of that as it comes out. I'm not rushing to watch that panel. Uh, necessarily, but certainly the Batman, just to see what we've got to reveal, and and uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and who's going to show up, and if, if Affleck makes an appearance, man, and Cavill, and all you know, Gal Gadot, it could be very interesting to see their reaction. Is Ray Fisher going to be? Is Ray Fisher going to have something to say pretty strongly? You know, what's going to be the deal there? And um, and I think for my reality TV purposes. I want to see how this Ezra Miller panel plays out over 10 minutes. Like how, what, what, what gets dropped, what gets said there in that moment, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And again, I doubt they will do this, but like with the Ray Fisher and the Ezra Miller, both uh, because there's no audience and because there's no Q and a, it will be interesting to see if they try and use this as an opportunity to get in front of this stuff and let the actors kind of speak from their truth. Yeah. heavily uh, influenced by Warner's PR, I'm sure, yeah. but to try and get in front of it, uh, the, the PR approved truth to sort of like set the stage or just avoid the entire thing entirely and make this all about the fun of the heroes and the thing and be like, we're not talking about any controversy at all. Yeah. I always am a fan of let's dive in and get in front of things. Uh, but that is not necessarily the, uh, the studio way. So no. <laughs> I would, I would be surprised if they did, but it would be good. I mean, I would love to see something where you're like, Hey, let's talk about this. Like people are upset. What are you thinking? But great. But uh, we'll see. Hey. I think the other part of it is the other part of it is, is that's the other part of Comic-Con. That's sort of always the thrill is that there's always that chance that an actor is going to get up on stage and say that one thing yeah. That you're like, shit, they really weren't supposed to say that, but you're on stage and there's nobody near them and there's nothing to do. And this will be probably a much more curated event. Uh, so we probably won't have that, but you never know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, or that, uh, that uh, person that steps up to the mic and asks that inappropriate question or that uncomfortable question that everyone's been wanting to ask and that gets addressed in some weird way. But yeah, that's going to be the element that's missing. Like Shannon, that Huffing- the- it's like that Huffington Post reporter last week that asked Trump how he felt about lying for three years. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> the, stop, the, stop the room. The the, the who? The line. The who? What? Next question. By who? Next question. You, sir. How do you feel? 
<laughs> I mean, I remember pretty pretty vividly. I I, I want to say it would have been Comic Con 2010 mm. when uh, one of uh, uh, Marvel's panels where Kevin Feige had come out and they had gone through the panels for for Cap and for Thor. And he introduced the cast of the Avengers. And then he introduced Joss Whedon as the director. And Joss Whedon, as, you know, the the crowd was going nuts, uh, said something to the effect of, well, I hope I don't mess it up. And uh, if you caught, there was, I mean, it was, it was, it was micro, but there was a look that Kevin Feige gave him like, come on, man. Not now. <laughs> don't don't, don't yeah. do that here. A nice a nice uh, that, uh, precursor. Keep that shit, keep that shit at home. Yeah. Keep that shit at home. This is a big show. <laughs> here, here, come here, here. Come. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested why you're not so hot on the on the Suicide Squad, John. I mean, uh, I think because uh, I didn't like the movie the first time, and as much as I enjoy James uh, James Gunn. Uh, he's stepping in for somebody else for one installment and then stepping out. And so I just, I don't know, man, I, I need them to talk me back into it with their uh, trailer, with their uh, uh, costumes, with uh, the actors are great. I'm excited for the actors, but I want to see just something more to get me back into it. Cause I was really excited for suicide squad. And it's maybe one of the most disappointing moments I've ever had in my life as a film goer, like just, so angry and disappointed and walking out of theater, just, just mad that it that they pissed it away. Cause the suicide squad is such a great thing. And it's completely opposite to what I had walking out of the guardians of the galaxy. movie. Right. It was just like, wow, this, they really nailed it. And they did better than you could have possibly imagined. And suicide squad is like, they really messed this up and did worse than you could have possibly imagined. So I take a little bit of time to see uh, if I'll get back into it. And, uh, and, but I do like the logo. So that makes me feel good at least. Yeah, there you go. All right. Start there. Start there. You know, a little thing sometimes. Uh, all right. We got to wrap up there. Cause, uh, cause uh, Mikey's got a heart out. And uh, so let's, let's, let's uh, wrap any last words to say about the DC fandom before we say goodbye. Uh, nothing about DC fandom, but we have another fun surprise yeah. we should announce before Tell we uh, head out of here. Uh, we're dropping, uh, if you've seen it on Twitter or Instagram, uh, we actually uh, tried a little something new and we're really stoked about it. Uh, kind of hopefully a new ongoing part of Geek Buddies. Yeah. Um, but we gathered together the team, uh, the core creative team from the Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, Marvel's uh, Marvel and Sony's uh, take on the Spider-Man story. Uh, that was also happened to be my very first job as an executive uh, developing an animated series. And so we got the team back together. Uh, A lot of people are still big fans of this version of Spider-Man. A lot of people say it's one of their favorite animated series, one of their favorite animated takes on Spider-Man. And so uh, we got the crew together and just had a fun conversation about it. And we will be dropping that on Friday, I believe. Uh, So definitely check it out. It'll be here on uh, the Outlaw page. It'll be on uh, links on the Twitter page. And uh, if you are downloading our uh, podcasts on Apple or Spotify or Anchor or wherever, it'll be there for you as well. So definitely check it out. It's like a nice, fun, hour-long conversation about kind of behind the scenes on how some of these superhero animated shows get made. And it was a great talk. Everybody was a blast and we had a really good time. So hopefully if this does well and you guys enjoy it, uh, we'll try and do some more of these and get some more teams together to talk about uh, the behind the scenes on some of your 
favorite animated adventures. Yeah. And also, um, you know, you get the, uh, a window into what it's like to have Mike as your executive. Uh, there were conversations that really surprised me about how they interacted with you and everything that was going on there. So th- there's a lot to explore and enjoy from this conversation yeah. on Friday. Uh, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The cut on the, the on the cutting room floor was as soon as we finished recording. Uh, Vic Cook was like, "You said that you were going to punch me in the throat a lot." <laughs> deleted scenes. Deleted, deleted scenes. scenes. Deleted scenes. <laughs> I did, I, apparently, at that point in my life, when I got really, really mad, but I didn't know what else to do, I was like, "God, I just want to punch you in the throat right now." Probably, probably not good executive speak, but hey, we're still friends, so I guess yeah, it worked out. You are, and I'll do a better version. There we go. That's a better version of the picture. I apologize with a little bit of uh, uh, you know technical difficulties earlier. There it is. Beautiful <laughs> stuff. Great shot by Victor Cook of all of us there and uh it really was a fun one hour conversation you guys are gonna love it you guys are gonna enjoy it especially if you're spectacular spider-man fans a lot of little tidbits are uh, thrown into the behind the scenes and in uh, behind the mic creating this show so all right uh, uh shannon what would you tell them real quick yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you'd like to follow mr vogel it's at mk tune if you'd like to follow mr roca it's at the roca says yeah i get- uh, yeah, and if you guys want to keep this train going, which we know you do, uh, <laughs> or if it's a sequel, keep the boat going. Nice. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, 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 Grandpa. Uh, if you want more of Shannon's Grandpa jokes, then uh, definitely subscribe below, leave some comments, uh, like this, like this video. If you're listening to us on anchor or spotify or apple Podcasts, uh definitely rate us leave some comments and absolutely retweet us post us on facebook spread us around on social media let everybody know you're listening to geek buddies uh we've had a blast growing up with you guys growing geeky with you guys and we want to keep things going uh so let's do it everything mikey said subscribe below hit the like leave a comment we're out of here thank you so much and share this on your social media for god's sakes uh that's it it's uh that's it for this episode of the Geek Buddies! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.